0: FM bringing you insight into the 2021 New South Wales local government election. تغطية الإذاعة الإسلامية لانتخابات المجالس البلدية في نيو ساوث ويلز لعام 2021. the lead up to the 2021 council elections, tour FM is playing an active role in familiarising the community with their local candidates from various local government areas. As such, today I'm hosting the man holding the top job at the Cumberland City Council, Mayor Steve Christou. Steve, welcome to the Tour FM studio and thank you for accepting the invitation. Thank you for having us. Now, Steve, before we begin discussing your political roles and council-related work, can you tell us a little about yourself, your background, and what you did before you became involved in local politics?
1: Absolutely. I'm 43 years old. I'm married to my sweetheart, Josephine. I have twin daughters, oh. age 15. What I did before politics, I worked at the Sydney Fish Markets for six years. And then I worked at for Woolworths at Granville, running their seafood department.
0: At which point in your life did you find yourself drawn towards politics?
1: I kind of fell into it. I became the uh, Woolworths Store Union Rep. Okay. And at the time, um, the local member of Parliament's office, Laurie Ferguson, Mm -hmm. he had a position going in 2007 when John Howard gave all the federal members of Parliament an extra position in their office, the fourth electorate officer. All right. So I applied for it and I was very successful in getting it.
0: So that union role was really your first exposure to politics in a sense.
1: It was my first exposure and then I kind of got interested in uh, politics around about the time when Mark Latham became leader. Oh, right. And, you know, I always had an interest in helping our community and especially I know our community is a vulnerable community, a community in need. So I wanted to be involved and do something positive. Mm. So I joined my local uh, branch at the time. And just started from there.
0: Now, I understand you previously worked as a political staffer to a federal member of parliament, a position you held for 10 years before you were elected as a councillor to represent the Granville Ward. Why did you choose to become involved in council rather than perhaps state or federal politics?
1: Well, I just finished up um, with working in the federal member's office, Mm -hmm. and when he retired, it was around about the same time when local government elections were on. And mm. this was for the newly formed super council, Cumberland City Council. Yeah. And I thought, I want to have a go here. Um, you know, my, my wife is a lifelong resident of Granville. So are her parents. Mm-hmm. And I was living in Granville at the time for 17 years. I thought, I want to improve our area. Mm. So I uh, put my name down. And And
0: you had quite an awareness of some of the issues that were affecting the residents of the area as well. So you had a good understanding of what was needed to bring the area to the next level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we're a very um, working-class community. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a lot of diverse individual needs. And I felt it was very important that we try and represent those because, you know, uh, you just can't have... Uh, specific politics in local councils. You need to represent your community because they all have individual needs.
0: Hmm. So is state or federal politics something you might consider getting involved in down the track or are you kind of found your comfort zone in council?
1: Look, I'm very happy where I am. Um, You know, people... um, you don't realise that with the formation of super councils like Cumberland, Parramatta, Blacktown, Bankstown, they're not the councils of yesteryear where Mm. they only represented 60,000, 70,000 people. Yeah. Essentially now when you're representing 250,000 people and you have a budget of 400 million, the mayor has more authority than the local state member. Wow. So I'm very proud and happy that I'm able to help my community achieve what they want and actually see improvements happen sooner rather than later. Because mm. a state member represents roughly 80,000 people. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: So, in that sense, your position actually gives you an advantage over being, you know, say a state member.
1: Well, I, I've seen that in the last two years, mm-hmm. uh, my position being the mayor. Mm-hmm. I've been able and had more reach and um, to help our community more directly than the state members. And all the state members do fantastic jobs. Yeah. But it's just the realities of super councils. I don't think when they formed them, they realised how big they actually were going to make them.
0: Yeah. You probably have uh, closer ties with the community being on the council rather than a state member. You're kind of that, I don't like to use the word, but you're kind of like the middleman between the community and the state government.
1: Absolutely. You see, um, local councils are your grassroots, your direct Mm. line of contact to your local residents. You're on the front line, whereas state members you're a little bit removed and mm. then you're even further removed as a federal member. Mm. But I enjoy working with our community. Um, I really like to see the improvements made to the local community mm-hmm. and it's something, it's a role I'm very happy at at the moment.
0: Mm. So what challenge does that pose to you, being that kind of middleman where you're listening to the needs of the community and you know what needs to be done and you too want to help realise all their um, wishes. But at the same time, you're having to make a case to the state government for funding and things like that.
1: I, f- look, I found it's been a little bit different. I wouldn't call us directly the middleman. Mm-hmm. We've become the direct contact point. Um, I
0: think that's the better word that I was looking for. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, because I found whatever advocacy we've taken on, we've been able to influence and get a successful outcome. Mm-hmm. We uh, took up the baton for palliative care. We got that outcome. We fought very hard for our community during COVID. And when uh, Dominic Perrottet became the new leader, instantaneously, all our advocacy uh, he listened to, he put Cumberland out of lockdowns and restrictions and curfews immediately. And that's something we've been able to, um, you know, to influence and assist. I'm, I'm very proud of that because our community was given a very hard time during COVID and it wasn't deserved at all.
0: Yeah, I think as were many other LGAs and council areas. So currently, you're both the mayor for Cumberland and a councillor for the Granville Ward. Do you find it difficult to divide your attention and effort between the ward you represent and the remainder of the Cumberland LGA? Not at all. No. Um,
1: At the end of the day when you're elected a councillor you are your councillor for the whole council. Mm. You represent the whole council. Yes uh, you get elected in your individual wards but you are sworn in and you have an obligation to make decisions on the best interest of the whole council.
0: All right. So it's not just about playing, you know, favourite child with one particular ward over another, just because you've been elected to represent that ward.
1: No, it's not about that. Look, Mm. it's every councillor's responsibility to look after their ward. And Mm. I've done that. I've put $85 million worth of upgrades into the Granville ward. But that being said, Mm. you've also got 14 other councillors from different wards, and they will hold you to account if you're not looking after their interests as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now, since your beginnings as a counsellor until the present day, which of your professional accomplishments in terms of meeting the needs of your constituents are you most proud of? You mentioned a couple of them now in terms of advocating for your community during mm-hmm. lockdown and things like that, but what others kind of stand out in your mind?
1: Yeah, um, successfully uh, at opening the Granville Centre, the old Multicultural Youth Centre, which has been drastically transformed, into a $25 million super hub. We have a state of the art library there, recording studio, basketball hoops that our community can use, meeting rooms, the Granville pools there. It's in very good condition. That's a, something I'm very proud of. But also the Eric Tredale Stadium at Granville. Yeah, Our local rugby union team, which plays in the Shoot Shield, they didn't have a decent stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, the TV stations would not go and give them a tv game because their ground was in such disrepair they oh dear. nicknamed it death valley oh ouch <laughs> and they were they were probably a whisker away from being thrown out of the competition but we've recently built them and we're opening up the granville eric tweedale stadium it's the best rugby union stadium for shoot shield in new south wales with a fully functioning uh, function center his and her change rooms four change rooms referees rooms you name it it's got it but it's something our community can use outside of Rugby Union as well and other community groups can get into.
0: Now, of course, and as with any job, political or otherwise, the path to success is often paved with obstacles. You've noted a number of the achievements you're most proud of, but what about some of the challenges or setbacks you also faced during that time which possibly hindered or obstructed you from achieving the results you really wanted, including the effects of the recent lockdown?
1: Yeah, I think um, I haven't really had setbacks. The only disappointing thing is Mm -hmm. when one or two groups or councillors want to play politics based on ethnic background and religion, Mm. and when they paint you in an unfair light for their own benefit, Mm -hmm. you know, but the best way to counter that is let your actions um, prove to the community that they're wrong and what's being spread is misinformation.
0: Now that you've touched on that, I had been planning on addressing that issue with you later on in our interview, but now that you've actually brought it up, I mean, there have been some allegations made that uh, you possibly hold racist or anti Muslim sentiment. How would you respond to those allegations? I mean, what would prompt people to um, make such allegations?
1: Unfortunately, uh, one or two people for uh, political gain, uh, and it's not right. Um, mm. I'll tell you something um, most people don't know. I've managed to basically have pre-approval for the Masjid Asalim, uh Mosque. And that's going to happen down at Marion Street. I've been working with them for the last eight months. And we're very happy. That's going to host roughly 300 worshippers when that's finished. And, you know, um, I run an athletic squad where 55% of that squad are children from Islamic backgrounds. So... Definitely mm-hmm. not um, – living where I am in Guildford yeah. for the last 20 years, definitely uh, not racist or no room for racism. And as I said, you know, you take that in your stride and you just prove the, those doomsayers wrong.
0: Look, there was something else that um, you recently opposed a motion. Um, that was passed in the council and a racism motion by one of the councillors. Mm. And this is probably something that's going to get a lot of raised eyebrows mm-hmm. as to why you would vote let, against let such me, a motion.
1: Let me clarify that, yeah. OK? About 20 minutes before that, mm-hmm. I had just passed down a mere or minute on a very similar matter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, this certain councillor decided to play politics with this and raise the same issue 20 minutes later with a slight variation. All right. All right, and that's why we opposed it because it had already been done. It had already been voted on. Um, nobody condemns military violence and um, hardships towards any community, hmm. regardless of background. And we had already done that twenty minutes later. So why do you have to come up and raise the same motion with a variation it was just simply playing politics. And a lot of the times in local government, hmm. you need to um, also look after local government issues councillors play politics when they do state and federal issues but the community need to understand you've just wasted two hours of your community's time on something that's never going to be looked at by the federal government Hmm. because they have a path you pass a motion which we passed anyway
0: Hmm. it
1: goes to an advisor and then it just sits there (laughs) yeah so uh, this
0: wasn't in any way about undermining the issue of racism or sweeping any issues concerning racism in the Cumberland LGA under the carpet? 20 minutes beforehand yeah. we'd
1: already addressed the issue, we'd already condemned the violence happening and um, fortunately some councillors wanted to get up and play politics and put up the same motion with a slight variation.
0: Um, One of the other issues that possibly fed these allegations Mm. is your opposition to the development of the Factory Street Mosque in Granville and the following remarks that were put on social media after the fact. So what would you say?
1: Again, um, political opportunists. What happened, Mm. I'll explain uh, with the Factory Street Mosque, it didn't pass the acoustic level. Now that was uh, not council, that was a Land and Environment Court challenging that and there were also traffic issues as well in regards to installing extra traffic lights. What people don't know is that I met with the main proponents of the mosque twice and I'm offered and I'm trying to help them find a new location for that mosque because they had received the wrong advice to begin with from certain Mm. people.
0: So it wasn't the fact that you were opposing the development of a mosque it was just the development of a mosque in that particular location that you were opposed to.
1: Any place of public worship in that particular location Mm -hmm. was wrong. What was going to happen in this occasion, it was going to have major impacts on the local community. And normally when consultation goes out, the community itself, I believe off the top of my head, there were 70 objections. That's what the court looked at. And as I indicated, I have met twice with the owners and advocates of the people trying to um, achieve this mosque. And I've Mm -hmm. offered my assistance to them in finding an alternate location and going through council and doing our best to um, get it up, get this motion up.
0: According to the 2019 Cumberland Council Community Satisfaction Research Report, it emerged that managing development and the associated issues of population density and congestion continues to be perceived and experienced as the biggest challenge facing the Cumberland LGA in the next 10 years. So, Steve, what solutions or plans do you propose to address these issues, particularly in the Granville Ward? I mean, Cumberland LGA is very much on par with many other major LGAs in the Greater Sydney area, where you know there's been a lot of development in recent years, uh, increases in population. Um, what are you doing to keep up with that? and, yeah,
1: and I'll give you a good example. Um, and I'm glad you touched on this. There's a development at the moment. It's called the Calipper site. It's sitting on the corner of uh, M4 mm-hmm. Woodville Road and Church Street. That had gone in and that has been sitting in council now for a couple of years mm-hmm. and roughly it was going to put over 1,500 units there. Yeah, and I came across it because it was about to be ticked off and I went to the general manager and we've heavily opposed this. I said, we have to oppose this because you can't put 1,500 units there, retail shops down the bottom, so you're roughly cramming in three and a half, four thousand 4,000 people in an area where it's not near public transport. Your nearest public transport is Granville Station or Harris Park Station that's over a kilometre away. How are the elderly or very young people meant to get there, especially in bad weather? Uh, Schools are at capacity and uh, you know there's so many upgrades needed to the area, which is not forthcoming by the state government. And what's more unfortunate about this is that um, the people lobbying for it were political heavyweights from the Labour Party. They're the people that you're meant to be... Protecting. You're meant to be protecting your own people. Mm. Our schools are bursting at the seams. Our public transport in their local area is at capacity. So yes, I've opposed it because my uh, question is to the state government, where's our upgrades to our school? You're going to cram 4,000 people in Granville, Maryland. Give us the upgrades to the school. Upgrade the public transport system. Upgrades a footpath and the green space. And then maybe you can think about this, but the owner of the development has gone down to state government Mm -hmm. seeking priority approval, trying to bypass council. That's how bad it is. And, Mm. um, you know, as I said, um, political members from the Labor Party have come in and lobbied for this very Mm. heavily.
0: Well, I'm glad that you're holding your ground because obviously I don't think you or any of the Cumberland LGA residents want to see Cumberland turn into what Liverpool has turned into in recent years with all the high-rise developments happening and all the other infrastructure hasn't kept up pace. You don't have adequate parking. You don't have... The road system is just not built for that.
1: Well, that's it. Um, You know, the traffic issues weren't addressed either. Anyone knows, no matter what time of the day you go down to Woodville Road, the M4 and Church Street, there is traffic banked up for kilometres. In peak hour, and I did two videos about this Mm -hmm. with council... At about 8.30 in the morning, traffic was banked up and it takes 40 minutes to get through there. Mm-hmm. And you're going to add on that corner another 1,500 units plus retail space and make no improvements to uh, traffic flow, Yeah, not even widening lanes or anything. And that's what's disappointing that um, people don't want to look after, elected elements didn't want to look after and were willing to give it the tick and just let it go through.
0: So obviously you're advocating for those upgrades to be made Mm -hmm. so you can meet the future demands of the Mm -hmm. Cumberland LGA. And, you know, if you are going to do that, if you wanted to add more developments later on, at least you would know that the infrastructure is there to support that kind of development. How hard has it been making your case to the state government in terms of giving those upgrades the tick?
1: Since being elected a council in 2017, mm-hmm. I have advocated continuously to the state government to bring back um, express trains to the local area. Granville, Marylands, Guildford, uh, Lidcombe, Auburn, they lost their express trains a while ago. And now, our people commuting to the city, we went from a 35 minute commute to a 55 to an hour commute with um, people packed in like sardines. They haven't been listening. I've been advocating for upgrades to the hospitals as well. Mm -hmm. And it's always a tough battle, but we can't just blame the um, the state government because we also have to blame our local state MPs because they need to pull their finger out and advocate heavily for these issues. And, you know, I don't want to hear, well, I'm just an opposition MP. It's Mm. your job in Parliament to get up and bang your fist on the table and say... I need this for my community and I will not give up because my community is suffering and we have a shortfall of infrastructure and upgrades in my community and that's not happening and Mm. that's what's disappointing. So I've picked up the slack and will continue to advocate for our local community.
0: So in that sense your voices really have been faded out when you know you don't get the response that you want from the state MPs.
1: I've wouldn't say faded out, I'd say been a lone voice mm. in representing our local community and our local residents.
0: Now getting closer towards election issues. Why do you think you are the most suitable candidate to cater to the needs and address the issues of the Granville ward? Well, um, a few reasons.
1: Uh, during COVID, I believe I was the only elected representative of any political group that really stood up and defended our community. We suffered lockdown, curfews, restrictions, uh, people were struggling to pay their mortgage, their rent, their bills, put food on the table to feed their children, and it was bought on by the Liberal government, and our Labor State MPs stayed silent and complicit and supported the lockdowns. We're the only one out there calling it out and fighting for our community. We've put um, $85 million worth of improvements over the last four years to the Granville, Maryland's, um area, This is record improvements, record spending, where no other ward or no other council locally, I believe, has spent anywhere near that much in one particular ward. I've always been very open to my community. I believe I've done something mayors haven't done before. I take on all issues, whether they be local government issues, housing issues, immigration issues. My door's always been open, and I've always made representations. And I believe I want to continue that, and you know, our community needs to grow. That's why I feel I want to um, hopefully have the support of the community to mm-hmm. continue this hard work and bring up our local community need to get together. There's always room for improvement. Yeah. There's never not room for improvement. Mm-hmm. But we're also very proud of the good financial management. It's been hard that the group of councils I work with have managed to exercise across council. We are one of the only councils that did not put in are to increase their rate peg on their residents. And that's very important because what um, a lot of people don't understand, when councils go and overspend in areas they're not meant to be um, dealing with, whether that be state and federal issues, where there's already funding sources for that, inevitably somebody pays a shortfall. And it's the local residents through rate rises. And we have uh, resisted that. And Mm. through good financial management, we were, as I said, we are one of the only councils did not raise the rate peg on their local residents where mm. other councils raised them like Bankstown 36%. Yeah, Central mm. Coast, when they went broke, their residents suffered an enormous rate increase to cover the cost. So, you know, uh, who manages council um, is very important because at the end of the day, the residents pay if it's not managed mm. correctly and councillors want to go and overspend on areas they're not meant to.
0: So all of that kind of pours back into ultimately the living affordability
1: Give you a good example. Um, it's living affordability, but also we had childcare centres early on in the year. 17 childcare centres, they were losing annually 6.1 million a year. Now, no organization can afford to lose 6.1 million dollars a year off those childcare, off any anything they do as mm. a core business. Yeah. It was going to be to the point where in two years we would have had to shut the doors as as a council. Yeah. Now, the group of counselors I worked with. Came in, we put a proposition on the table to review our involvement with all the childcare centres. Mm-hmm. We had 600 um, people enlisted in those childcare centres that utilise them. Now, one of the options was to sell them. You know, it was just an option, it was yeah. never concrete. And then we brought in a specialised person to review them. The Labor Party, they would not negotiate or talk to. Um, the rest of the councillors on how we can improve the business. Mm -hmm. No, uh, we have a position. We can borrow money to keep them going. Um, End of the day, through thorough review, not only did we manage to keep the centres, we managed to save ourselves $5 million a year. And that goes back to our residents because we made budget improvements and cuts so we can operate that business at an affordable rate, with, without the excess fat, mm. and no child was going to be worse off. Now, that's the kind of benefits that our local community gets. But if we had stuck our heads in the sand and said, we are supporting these centres at all costs and not having a review, in two or three years' time, we either would have shut the doors mm. off council or the residents would have had a 25% rate increase. And that's not what we're about.
0: That would have been a very costly shortcut to take. Steve, how confident are you that you'll be re-elected to represent the Granville Ward on December the 4th?
1: um, Look, I think you always have to try and um, pull yourself away from your own biases. Mm -hmm. But um, I can honestly say the community support I've been receiving has been very overwhelming. I've been getting phone calls. Normally you have to ask people to allow you to put a poster site up. I've been getting that many phone calls and messages um, from people just saying, come and put a poster sign up to the point where we can't keep up.
0: Okay, what message would you send out to people who are possibly hesitant or having second thoughts about giving you their vote?
1: Um, I always say, do what you believe is best. Um, You know, don't look into the party politics. A lot of people are rusted on Labor, Liberal or Greens, you know. Have a look at that elected representative, regardless of what party they come from and say, what have they actually done for the community? What have they delivered for me, for us? Mm. You know, regardless of where they sit politically, has this person worked hard? Have I seen them actually deliver outcomes? Or Mm. have they been anonymous for the last four years and all of a sudden, five weeks before an election, vote for me, vote for me? Mm. That's what I say. Um, If, you know, if you believe I've delivered for our local community please give me your vote. If you think I haven't, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's, that's what democracy is about.
0: Now, Steve, at the end of this very insightful interview, I'd like to thank you again for accepting our invitation and being here today despite your busy schedule. I know how busy things get in the lead up to election day and I wish you the very best.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure um, to come on and uh, speak to people. You know, it's, it's a good way to um, resonate with the residents. And thank you very much for having me and I wish you the best as well.
0: Thank you very much. To MFM bringing you insight into the 2021 New South Wales local government election. تغطية الإذاعة الإسلامية لانتخابات المجالس البلدية في نيو ساوث ويلز لعام 2021